baby. I know what my purpose on the planet is, you know, and my purpose on the planet is to try my very best to equalise the inequalities in the world. And however that is, whether that's through COCOs and practising my principles in COCOs and hopefully that filters out into my staff and suppliers and customers and into my social media and all those things. So if I can do that, then that's really great. And then I suppose the other thing is that just that anything that I sort of am involved in, I want it to be adding value to the world, not adding sort of stress or negativity, you know? And so anything that, that we do at Coco's is hopefully engaging with the good shit. Getting the good shit with the Maris Couture. Couture? I don't even know how to say that name. Anyway, Damaris on the podcast, episode 20 of Dougie. So I glanced at the girl, girl glanced at me I whispered in the air, you wanna be with me? You wanna look pretty though, in my video Oh dirty on the hat and I let you all know Just dance if you want up in the Holy Ghost Welcome to episode 20 With the realness chicken town Damaris Couture, one of the halves of the double sister duo of Coco's Cantina Which is the She's just been crowned Miss Personality of the Year. Not that she cares much about that, but she's a personality. She's got personality plus kind of the yang to the yin of Renee, the other sister. And these girls are legends amongst legends in the not just the food space, but just in everything they do. Um, and I think just that little opening sampler of the inequality Damaris and the problems Damaris and Renee are working on is just awesome so just got Damaris on the show this time and um I got kind of exposed to Coco's a little while back as one of the kind of the hot Italian spots in town and um and then ended up in a couple years later doing yoga and 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 uh managed to get in touch thanks to the yoga connection start doing um some midnight yoga classes for the staff there and they're the coolest cats around the culture there the way they make their food they hang out they just bring the realness the authentic self 24 7 and (laughs) with some hilarious results um and so it was a real treat uh to sit down with damaris and have a chat and kind of discuss her bigger visions and They've got uh, just Coco, just what they stand for, what Damara stands for. Um, their business card says be kind. All their little uh, sayings and details in the restaurant, as she, she mentions in the podcast, it's her home. And, uh, you know, we're kind of guessing that home when we go there. And um, it's kind of the best of Italian cuisine and Moroccan and Kiwi style. It's kind of clitch. It's got all the things the girls love to do, all kind of in this melting pot. And, um, not only do they make the best food, you know, they look after the community, the homeless people around, they do all the stuff for the community and support the smaller people, the the little boutique growers and coffee producers and uh, yeah, it's just a wonderful thing they're doing. So it's, it's with great joy to share Damaris' story and her hilarities and, and the other issues of, um, you know, things we don't talk about that much, like the getting over the drugs, 
she had a few issues there growing up, but it's all kind of led her on the right path and, and paying thanks to the people who've led the way and shed the way for um, us to do what we do and for Damaris to open her restaurant and to give thanks and gratitude to, to that, to her parents, to the everything that's happened to let us be here. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a cool thing we talk about that um, sometimes we think we've done it all, but no, there's been a <laughs> millions of years in the process to get to this uh, point where we are. So, um, and that's kind of gives her that energy, I think, to do what she does. So, um, some good stories in here. Like, she's just such a wonderful storyteller and energetic person, and or oh, just a wonderful person to be around. It just lifts the spirits. Um, so, hopefully, get a taste of that and get a taste of the Coco's food sometime soon. Um, it's. Uh, yeah, one of my favorite spots to hang out. It could be anywhere in the world. It's this uh, wonderful mix of the culture and chaos of K Road and the, the 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 culture and chaos inside, and then there's uh, just how it's fused all together. I think um, it's pretty unique, and what they've done there is, um, you know, it's it's uh, what makes cities. I think and roads and communities is these uh, these gathering spots and. Um, to gather other food at Coco's and uh, do some yoga occasionally is one of the highlights of my week. Um, so thanks for tuning in. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully this inspires you to be the best the best person you can be. And it was cool to record this one back to back with Andrew Steele as well. So with these two, um, just big shout outs to the people doing awesome things in New Zealand and, and around the world and trying to be the change in Damaris and Andrew in particular, I think, are kind of epitomizing. Is it epitomizing? They're doing it. They're doing it. And uh, and I love that. So hopefully you love it too. Hopefully you dug it. As always, share, comment, spread the word, and, uh, and have some fine food at Coco's when you can. Lots of love without too much more commotion. Here's the lady who brings the commotion, Damaris Coltu. I don't even know how to say her last name. I should have asked that. We'll go with the Coltur. Coltier. Coltier. Maybe that's got a bit more Italian swag. We'll go with that. Queen D. This personality. Damaris. Give me your number, I call you up You act like your pussy on interrupt I don't have no trouble with you fucking me But I have a little problem with you not fucking me Restaurant life Oh, thanks for sitting down For taking What do we got? How? Ah, uh, selfie I take a fucking terrible photo, don't I? <laughs> okay, we, we might have to do a few beeping Oh yeah, we need to We're drinking some Organic mechanic kombucha, can you see that? Yeah. There we go, ready? Excellent, okay. Beautiful. So, here we are. Are we on? Yeah, I'll do one at my end as well. You hold uh, That's the realness right there. <laughs> um, oh, yum, cheers. Cheers. To to good health. change as well. Yeah, to good um, health, yeah. So I guess first off the back, so if, if people didn't know who you were or what you do, what would, how would you sum it up? Uh, my name is Damaris Jean Coulter and I 
I suppose, uh, am part of Coco's Cantina. Yeah, I work and at Coco's Cantina and I run and own it with my sister and my beautiful Coco's family. And so Coco's is Italian? Well, it's a, it's a sort of mixed match. The food is Italian. When we sat down and we sort of created what, what sort of restaurant we wanted, I had been living in Italy and Renee had spent um, a bit of time in Cuba and Mexico. And so when we came back and we did our sort of like vision board and mission statement and things like that, we loved Italian food, but we found the dining rooms quite uh, not formal, but sort of, you know, it's all about the food in Italy and it's all about the service and it wasn't uh, sort of the bustle and rustle that we liked. And so we added the amazing Italian cuisine that I loved and that Renee loved and obviously our family and me living there had spent a lot of time there. And then we added that with that sort of chaos of Mexico and Cuba that Renee had really loved, you know, the colour and the reggae and the funk and the dance and so then we just sort of smash those together and that's how sort of Coco's I can't remember the question <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good uh that's a good summary of what it's like it's uh organized organized chaos, chaos. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly it's, um, man, it's sort of like yeah it's sort of uh when you look around I suppose it doesn't really make sense because there's like chica tablecloths and sort of structure in some things, and it is really structured, and then it's just like a beautiful chaos of sort of, you know, oh, nothing works and everything's sort of bought off trade men at the op shop and... Oh, it's awesome. I think it's just so much personality. I just feel at home here. Yeah, Super yeah, cool. yeah. And just, um, and did you have a vision, like, for the restaurant? Like, I mean, Renee and I had, like, growing up in um, Kaitaia, and our aunt and uncle had the only sort of proper restaurant in the far, far north for many years. He's, you know, it's still there after nearly 40 years. And so we grew up under sort of tables. Well, what, what, what it's called that? the Beachcomber the in Kaitaia. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Best salad bar in the world. Oh, hey. um, but like, you know, we, so, so we grew up sort of whipping cream and whisking and playing pretend kitchens and under tables and cleaning bathrooms and writing on docket pads while... Other people were sort of playing Barbies and, you know, blocks and stuff yeah. like that. So it was sort of inevitable that we were always going to be in it. And then I suppose we'd always, our first jobs has, had always been sort of fish and chip shops and dishwashing jobs and cafes and restaurants and that sort of thing. So it just carried over to when we went abroad. Renee spent a lot of time in England and then I spent a lot of time in Italy and then in England. And so... Because we weren't always very academic, we just gravitated, we didn't really go to university, we always gravitated to sort of travel and hospitality as our sort of life lessons. And so hospo was always something that we could take wherever we went, whether it was catering or weddings or working in restaurants or making coffee. And so when we came back and we were both living in the same city, we'd always wanted to do a restaurant together. We were like, that's always gonna be the end game. But we didn't really know how to do it. We were like two waitresses on 15 bucks an hour, you know, eight years ago when this sort of idea was sort of all coming into play. But I remember I was living in London probably like 10 years ago. I'd moved from Italy and I'd ring Renee every day and I'd be like, I've been here, here, here. I'll send you some photos. This would work, that would work. I'm like, what's going on in Auckland? She's like, nothing. It's just like, and so at that time things were really sort of, 
you know, you could either get cheap and cheerful, sort of Dominion Road, um, that sort of style, or it was sort of more high-end, so there was lots of sort of takeaways and um, Asian cuisine that was sort of affordable, or it was sort of bistros, you know, and it was sort of like restaurants that you needed to make a booking in. There wasn't anything at that time that was really, you know, fun and casual and um, no bookings and, uh-oh, spaghetti-o, there goes the drill. <laughs> Um, and so that's when we, when we came together, we were like, well, what do we want? When we go out, when we're away, where do the, what are the sort of places that we go to and what do we like? And so that's when this came. And it was sort of like Renee and I were running out of room in our own homes to entertain friends and family. And so we were like, well, how do we want to entertain at home? And it was like, well, we like simple homely cooking and we like people pouring their own wine but having good wine. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, and so, you know, everything that we did at home and everything that we loved about Italy and Cuba and Mexico and all those amazing places where food's been like such a massive part of their culture but the pretentiousness has been removed, we found that in New Zealand you, it still had this sort of status attached to going out to dinner and we didn't want that. We wanted you, the guy who was in his jandals was paying exactly the same for the steak as the guy in some sort of Armani suit. And we wanted to even out the playing field and just say that this is a place for everyone and you're exactly the same as that guy and food doesn't have to be fussy to be awesome and you don't need some guy with his arm behind his back pouring your wine for the wine to be any better. You know, so we were just stripping away all the pretentiousness and all the noise, and we were just bringing back the fucking realness, you know? It's like, just be normal, just be... Tick that explicit box now. Oh, no, yeah. Like um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and K-Road's like the melting pot of that as well, eh? you've got... Totally. I mean, it the... used to be, I think before it was sort of quite grungy and gritty, and like, I lived on K-Road maybe... 50, oh no, 13 years ago? When did oh, I go? Wow. And it was awesome. Like, I mean, it's always been awesome, but then it was like Verona, Alleluia, the, um, the Hare Krishna um, cafe. You had Revel, like all of these sorts of places. Like Brazil, you'd go and have like, you know, the best six shakes in the world at Brazil. Everyone would be so hungover. You'd just be like, I mean, it was a totally different world then. Now it's sort of evolving. Hopefully we're evolving in the right way if, property developers don't dictate what we do. Unfortunately, that's just something that we have to equate into. People with money tend to be in charge of how streets go. However, like we're lucky that a lot of owner operators now are coming to K Road, which adds sort of this, I suppose, artisan and craft sort of feel. And so we're really lucky that we've been here now seven years. And, you know, it's great that other people are sort of joining that sort of movement, you, you've got the Caker and you've got 830, you've got Aparo, you've got Bestie, you've got um, Jamezi Street just open, like all of these awesome little owner operators and then you've got all these amazing sort of fashion people that do really interesting things, that's what would be really cool if it just stayed like that. So we're really glad to be part of that sort of community which is, I don't know, it's just, it's not alternative, it's just people doing what they want to do, you know, it's just true artists, they're not in it for just money, they're in it because they love doing it and hopefully they can make some money at the same time to pay the bills. Beautiful. And uh, what's the toughest part of working with your sister? Oh my uh, God, we've just literally, I've just, <laughs> what's the time? It's uh, 3.26 on a Thursday afternoon and we have counselling once a week. 
So we do couples counselling as sisters, and this lady thinks that we are so hilarious because <laughs> we are sisters, but we're in business together. So when we found her, we found her through another Coco's regular, and I was just like, we are at our fucking wits end with each other. We are, you know, wanting to murder each other by, you know, because you have to remember, like, you're sisters, so siblings already. Yeah. You know, you've got these built-up sort of habits and behaviours and, um, what's the word, I suppose? You've got a history. Patterns, yeah, yeah, you've got a history of, of things that you think that person is thinking and doing and even a frown mark on Renee's face, I see it and I'm like, what do you mean by that frown? And she's <laughs> like, I didn't say anything. I'm like, you don't need to say anything. I know what you meant by that. And so you're trying to have this harmonious business <laughs> and keep 25 staff members chilled and enjoying their jobs. And like, you know, it is chaos here. And so we went to this amazing woman called Sandra and she has totally saved the restaurant because I think we would have put it on the market if we hadn't you know, sorted through it. And she's just teaching us about um, learning new, new patterns with each other and um, learning new tools and that we don't know what each other are thinking. And most of the time, like today, she was like, okay, Damaris, I'm just gonna ask Renee what she sees for the new renovations. And I was like, well, it will be like completely opposite to me, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, I just don't want you to interrupt. I want you to just like let her talk anyway. She spilled off this thing for like five minutes and she said, so what do you think about that? And I was like, well, I 100% agree. It's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking, you know. And so it was actually ridiculous that you're paying this woman to actually just sit there and be like a mediator. But sometimes you're like, you're on this totally same page, but you just sort of like, you're saying you're in different languages. What we've realised is when Renee and I have sort of a bit of a, a brawl, I can go from zero to a million in under a second, and then I can come down again in like one minute. Renee can go zero to a million in like under a second, but it takes her like 24 hours to come back down. But I've already like, I'm like over it. But we, so just these little things yeah. that we're just learning like, oh, okay, well then that's actually probably not that helpful anymore in our relationship. We just need to. So anyway, it's interesting working with your sister. Like I work with my mum as well. My mum does the the accounts and the tips and the suppliers and um, the bills and Renee's ex-husband Stuart who when they stopped being married he just became our brother he does the um, he is now taking over the office management stuff my dad is the handyman and grows all of our edible stuff and some of the flowers and the herbs for the restaurant you know, like, so our family is quite integrated and also, like, we're quite mental. So, like, the way we communicate is ridiculous. We sort of, like, someday saturate each other with communication and then we don't communicate. So I actually have no idea how this business works. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. And um, I'm trying to think where to go next. Um, what's your, have you got a favourite meal here? Mm, yeah, spaghetti alle olio, which oh. is just garlic, chilli, yeah, olive nice. oil. Passe, yeah, that's like oh. totally. I mean, like when and they put in this extra, like everything at Coco's gets something called um, pan gratuito, which is like the crunchy bread crummy. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I think in Italy, in places where dairy wouldn't have been a big part of their diet, they made up their own sort of like parmesan, which is like crunchy breadcrumbs with sort of salt and pepper and chili and rosemary, and that's what they sprinkle on. And you know. 
to sub out Parmesan and so in, in different places where there wouldn't be a lot of dairy like near the sea and stuff. And so that is sort of on all of our dishes. There's always a little bit of crunch on everything. And also because I'm obsessed with sort of like texture in food, so that's why every dish has pangratuto on it. And so I'm like, is there enough crunch on that? Every time I walk past the kitchen, I'm like, is there crunch on that? Have you got crunch on that? And they're like, yes, there's crunch on that. But yeah, if I need to eat, like my eating is not great. I sort of uh, eat when I'm... What did for breakfast today? I didn't have breakfast. I, I breakfast. had two Fasting. soya chinos at uh, 8.30 and then I just went to a really good um, cafe actually called Oso. Oso. Do you know Oso? I've heard of it. On um, Crummer Road. Oh, okay. Yep, really yep, great. Yep. So essentially I had two soya chinos and a beef burger with chips. Whoopsie. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll have a green smoothie for afternoon tea and then I've had my veggies. Nice. Um, yeah, I was just thinking of you and your sister too. I reckon it's like a, a microcosm of the world. Like we're all trying to do the same thing and then we argue over these little details it's but so we're all on the same yeah, page we're on the same page yeah. you know like hers and my well, our moral compass is like totally in sync mm. you know what I mean we know the direction that we're going we are like but it's just bizarre that you just sort of squabble over the tiniest little frown marks mm. and um what have you got a, a like a best restaurant story or oh, something or I worst don't know. one I mean, I had some really terribly behaved people in last night. It was like a real, it was chaos, you know? And, and so, well, it wasn't chaos. We just had such a lovely, lovely evening. And we had these five guys in that were just, you know, all night uh, trying to bait the waitress, you know? And we, we pride ourselves on giving our staff um, freedom of speech, you know, like as long as their decision making and how they treat tables come from a place of kindness, they can be whoever they want, you know, and unfortunately this table, they were just, they just weren't Coco's people, you know what I mean? It's like they were quite sort of... Uh, you know, clicky and rude and, and, and that sort of like, at first you can put up with that for, for a little bit of time, but really here we're pretty no-nonsense towards bad manners and people who don't really adapt to what we're doing here. And so by the end of it, there were a couple of incidences and then one of them sort of said to her, oh, I'm sorry if we've been difficult tonight. And she said, oh, that's okay. It's like, you know, you're out. And she was quite relaxed about it. And then one of the other ones said, that's the wrong answer. We haven't been and you shouldn't speak like that to the customer. And she said, actually, you asked me a question. And, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I've given you the answer. And then it sort of escalated and he sort of said, I'm not, hi, Dad. There's my dad right there oh, with two fixed chairs. <laughs> <laughs> the edible flower grower. There he is. Hey. Hi, Waza. <laughs> and no, we're just, we're just uh, having a chat. Well, you've just told everyone the security, <laughs> you've just told everyone the security I'll number. Edit, I'll edit that out in the podcast. Oh. And so, you know, to cut a long story short, they uh, said that that wasn't, they, they, they didn't like how she spoke to them, even though they had asked her, and they were sort of refusing to pay. And then they wanted to speak to me, which was absolutely fine. And so we had a really great decision. Two out of the five of them were like amazing. We sat down and I just sort of said, listen, in your usual business model, um, I can see how you would be disappointed because it comes from a, a place where you want the customer to always be right because your end goal is money. 
but that's not what this is. Like, I'm inviting you into my home, and the money that you pay to enjoy a meal and it being dropped off and um, service, which is your water and washing your plates and cutlery and making sure things are clean and the hand soap and the toilet and the moisturiser and the lighting and all of these things, that's what your meal pays for. But it doesn't pay for my staff to be bullied or have your opinion or your perspective on things. And so by the end of it, we had like this really amazing conversation, but two of, out of the five were great and then the other three were like, we're the customer, we're right, I'm not even paying for anything. And then I said, well, you actually are even paying for it and if you don't, I'll be calling the police. And so it sort of escalated and in the end, it's just sort of like, it's unfortunate because I get about anywhere between sort of 80 and 160 people coming through just for food alone, let alone drinkers, every single night. And I would say 99% of those people are phenomenal. They just are, it, it fills my heart to actually serve these people. You get Nana's birthday, you get um, first dates, you get Tinder dates, you get um, anniversaries, you get celebrations, you get staff parties, you get... Um, you know, you just get absolutely every walk of life and people who are open to what you're trying to do. But then sometimes you get people who, it doesn't matter where they are in the world, they behave badly. And I can't give people a lobotomy. You know what I mean? I can give you dinner. That's what I can give, you know. Anyway. Maybe you should cut that story out. That's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I feel that's super refreshing. And to yeah. get the staff that freedom too, I think it's really cool. Um, and uh, what's the? I know you work on some other projects. Because what's the the big the bigger vision? Is to to kind of spread this worldwide this kind of philosophy, right? Is that? Yeah, I mean the the big vision for us would be, uh, I suppose, Renee and I have always I su- I don't really know how to. We've always been really. I. What am I trying to say? It's not really, I can't, I can't change how people behave. All I know is that I know what my purpose on the planet is, you know, and my purpose on the planet is to try my very best to equalize the inequalities in the world. And however that is, whether that's through COCOs and practicing my principles in COCOs and hopefully that filters out into my staff and suppliers and customers and into my social media and all those things so if I can do that then that's really great and then I suppose the other thing is that just that anything that I sort of am involved in I want it to be adding value to the world not adding sort of stress or negativity you know and so anything that that we do at Coco's is hopefully engaging with the good shit you know, and not stuff from, that drill's pretty awesome. Mm. Can you hear that? Um. Yeah, so I mean, at the moment we're working on, just at Coco's, we're doing big renovations. So we're doing a private dining room, we're getting a new kitchen, there's gonna be a courtyard. We're changing everything around where the menu's gonna be like a lot more local. So we're going direct to suppliers rather than using the big um, distributors, we're, we're going to, small people which is a lot more difficult for us it's a, it's more difficult because instead of you having five big suppliers you've got like 25 suppliers so paying them running around after them like it's, it's actually a lot more hard but it just means that instead of um, getting macadamia nuts from I don't know somewhere 
halfway across the world and they're sitting on a boat getting stale and the guy who actually grew them never actually even sees the money, we're going straight to the source in New Zealand. And so we're trying our very best to do that everywhere we can and we try and use suppliers that practice the same sort of principles as us and that is pay their staff well, like have, like have a similar belief system and that is being kind to people and not just it being about sort of profit, it's, a, it's about passion and people and all of those sorts of things and then we're also doing a cookbook, we want to get into like consulting and training so that other businesses who sort of enjoy what we do, we can help them do that. We're like really big on supporting other owner-operated restaurants. We're building an app, as you know, called The Realness. So um, mentioned that. Yeah, I mean like that is like you'll be able to find owner-operated restaurants wherever you are in the world and hopefully if that pl platform goes well, we'll then apply it to bars, cafes, clothes, services and trade. And so really, when you choose to go anywhere or do anything, it will be like, do I want to go with the big corporate who's sitting on his flash yacht out in the ocean just keeping his money to himself? Or do I want to go to the little guy who's working in his business and probably paying one of your children and looking after your neighbour because he's buying something off them and it just keeps the money in the economy and it just equalises everything out a little bit. So we're in the sort of process of like building that which is quite hard out I sort of didn't really know that <laughs> it's quite funny now because I actually was like okay so we just do this thing and my lover was like you do know that it's like a startup and it's kind of a big deal and I was like yeah yeah it's fine he's like like you're gonna have to probably be a bit organized and now I've got this ice house business mentor and like it's hard out <laughs> But hopefully we'll be launching at the end of August. So, oh, I love the attitude. Yeah, keep, keep, an, eye, keep an eye out. There's the drill again. Um, how, how do you relax then? How do you, how do you have a break from this? Or is it, is it, because I remember Tony Robbins saying there is no such thing as work-life balance. You just choose what you love to do and you just do that every day. Do you I find, think I believe that, yeah. yeah. I think that um, I actually, I, I've never watched any of, of <laughs> Tony Robbins. <laughs> Which is kind of weird. I don't know if it is. Weird, no, you love it, I think. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, he's got a great tan and a great jawline. It's, like, it's pretty real. Uh, no, I mean, I actually think that. I, Renee is really different to me. She's like, as soon as she leaves work, she's out. She's like, I'm going home. I'm going to my family. I'm going to the gym. We're going for a bike ride. We're going to the market. That's how she chills out. I'm here like on a Sunday, like um, zhuzhing and like doing posters and like painting something and doing something because I, like Coco's is, it's not that I love hospitality or restaurants, I just love my restaurant. I love my restaurant, so I love fucking Coco's. Anything to do with Coco's, it's my art, like I'm an artist, like this is what I do. So everything in here is like I don't mind doing it so there is no real relaxing I went for a float the other day which oh, is yeah, like we're all about on. the floating like well, okay well, I need to do a float review so what's the yeah how do you think well, how do you find the float I loved it like I mean Renee I, I um, booked Renee in like oh, nice. just a couple of days ago and she loved it as well and Xanthi went as well Boy, the whole yeah, team yeah, the whole team on, went. So, and, and so I think that like for someone like me who's a bit ADHD it would it's like just an awesome hour where you just get to clear your mind. I think someone like Renee, who's already quite chilled, it's an hour of like complete relaxation. She's got a bad ankle, so it was really awesome in that respect. Mm. What are you doing, Dad? Sure. Yep. No, that's right. Are you going? No, I'm going to go. And so 
I suppose uh, it, it, that sort of thing, like the float's really good, but but for me, yeah, it was just a little bit of a break, you know, because I don't, you know, I don't really meditate. But, you know, we do little things like you come in on a Wednesday and do yoga. How was yoga last night? Yeah, it was good fun. Yeah, it was also nice it's a boy, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. tennis balls out and uh, no, it was... Um, yeah, so things like cool. that. I mean, like, I suppose for me it's never like a, a regular relaxation. Like lots of people get to finish work and they go to the gym and they get to do things like that. But because our world is like really inconsistent yeah. and anything could happen. Like I could be on my way out of work and heading somewhere to do something and a pipe might burst or a delivery will come in or someone will be like, hey, D, the phone's for you. So I actually just don't, you just don't know how your day's going to go, you know? It's like when you own your own business, there is no real relaxing. You go on holiday. So next week I'm going to Vietnam for two weeks. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, you go on holiday and that's when you can, but even then I won't relax because I'll be... You get inspiration. Yeah. Like, that's when you come awake, you know? And it's sort of like... But at least you get a tan and you can get your toenails painted and have a swim and, you know, do stuff like that that you wouldn't usually do. Ah, that's sweet. Um, and uh, if you had to have a meal with, like, three people... Oh, my God. Have you thought about that? Who would you... No, I haven't. I mean, you, you always want to, like, be, like, someone that's died because you miss them so much. You know, like, you want, I want to say my nana, and then I'd get freaked out. I'd be like, oh, no, that, that's just, like, tapa or something. You can't really bring dead people back, you know? But, no, I think that who would I want to have dinner with? I suppose definitely someone who could help you change the world. Maybe Noam Chomsky. Noam Chomsky. He'd be awesome. And I reckon he'd really like pasta. And I love pasta. Um, who else? Any other I... heroes or just local heroes or just people you like to be with? Or... I don't know. I think I might have to think about this. Yeah. Cool. Have a think. Was there, um, on that kind of line, where did Coco's the name come from? What's his, um, what's his name? What's the rugby player? Uh, captain of Australia? Oh, David team? Pocock. David Pocock. Okay, David Pocock. So David, David Pocock and Noam Chomsky. And who else would I have? I'm going to save the last one. Cool. Uh, Coco's. Oh, well, we originally were just going to call it Cantina because we just like the word Cantina because, like, in Italy and South America, it's, like, um, sort of cantinas. Well, everywhere there are cantinas. You know, in Italy, they were sort of like the the sort of pantry or the storeroom that you kept like the wine in and then in South America I think they were just like little wine bars and so but we liked we wanted um cocoa we wanted you know cantina at that stage to have like the feeling of a personality and so we wanted it to also be feminine because we felt that cantina sounded a little bit hard and so that's why we gave her sort of a personality and so that's why I suppose it has always been um you know, top heavy, you might say, with the chicks, with the ladies. <laughs> not a bad, not a bad, not a bad thing. thing, yoga duck. <laughs> um, have you got any, like, books or films or any... Big Night. Have you seen Big Night? Is that a movie? Yeah, Big Night's awesome. Big Night's good. Okay. Is that uh... What are you looking for, Waza? Where's Renee? Oh, thank you. Are you. Where are you going? Are you actually going... What did he say? Doors? Next door. He's doing doors. Oh, okay. Co- and you um, have your coffee, soy latte. What was the question? Oh, what we were saying. Um, oh, 
fit Nikki as well. Oh, um, no. It was, so I'll just see if this is anything urgent. Sorry, yeah. Nikki. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. No worries. It's not that I'm dodgy, but I mean, I'm having a time for Farland and I'm, I don't want to be here, so it's kind of annoying that they just... Yeah, and, I, and I kind of wanted to leave, but I didn't want to leave him in there. I didn't even know who he was, yeah, so... No, it's, it's, it's a really good idea. Yeah. And then he's going to start getting billed for it, and I haven't even asked for it, so the landlord wants to actually deal with yeah. him, and he can deal with me to come put in. But, um, hey, I think you can call it Zara Broward's message and message here saying that someone from the studio called her at 12. Was that you? Oh, yeah, it was me. Um, okay. I'll, I'll try and give her a call. Yeah, I called her back on my phone too, but I must have missed her. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Thanks, Nikki. Bye. See you soon. Bye. Ciao. Um, cool. It's just like hospital life. Uh, <laughs> yeah, juggling, juggling. Like, because I know you had. Um, like, you don't drink anymore too, no. and I find. That's a big thing with me. Like people don't talk about drinking, sex, all these kind of things. Everyone loves to do or has. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. Like, what's your perspective on that? Like, did you get into drinking drugs earlier on, or was yeah, it just like, like a? I, mean, I was sort of, um, uh, you know, I think like any sort of, uh, I suppose, not creative, but you know. People like me are a certain kind of person, you Is know. It curiosity, you, do you think? I yeah, don't know. I think as well. I think you have like sort of like a dis-ease with sort of the world. You know what I mean? Like it's sort of like your yin and yang is like always sort of loud you know so you don't quite know you're sort of all or nothing you're all or nothing all or nothing and so when you're younger unless you've got a real sort of um awareness to how to balance that out and be in harmony with that it can be dad is that you sanding it's, it's probably not too bad okay um <laughs> uh then then i think you you don't really know how to uh be in harmony with the planet. So I found drugs and alcohol really young and that sort of helped me be in harmony with it. It sort of like just made that dis-ease, just ease, <laughs> you know? But what happened was it sort of, it worked for a little while and then it started to be a disease. <laughs> the disease, the dis-ease became ease and then a disease <laughs> and so it was like it was almost like uh it sort of helped me do one thing and then it was like filling me full of toxic stuff and the other thing so it was just like one step forward two steps back and so it was like so I was really lucky that um I gave up hang on let me just I'll close that door <laughs> Are we back on? Yeah, it's mostly uh, uh, a running. Then, then you can. I can't remember what we were talking about. The drugs. I like had to had to get out of it. Yeah. Well, so so. You know, AI I was, and also I was in hospital, so it was accelerated oh, really, yeah. really quickly, you know. So my youth sort of like, you know, I, from young, like every kid, you know, 13 to sort of 18 when you're at school, you go to parties and you get wasted and you sort of do that. But mine was really sort of 
not that I was drinking every day or taking drugs every day, but I definitely was when I did it, I gave it a good hammer and tong, you know, and it was like blackout every time and like hangovers were so bad, they were crippling, uh, my decision making was just out of control, you know, things that I was doing sober were definitely not things that I'd be doing drunk or sorry, vice versa, you know, and so everything was, and I couldn't make that connection, I couldn't make the connection between every time something negative was happening in my life, it was when I was under the influence or when I was coming down or when I was hungover, and I couldn't make that connection until one day I was just really lucky, my dad and my mum were running this amazing stud farm out at Ordere Point, and I had this very bad accident in Wangamata and I hit my head really badly, ended up in hospital, I fell through like sort of like a um, you know, a window about that high onto concrete, probably a bit brain damaged. Wow. Yeah, like, don't know how, you know. And, like, totally in blackout. And it was sort of like my mum and dad were just sort of at the end of the tether. I felt so sorry for them. I was, like, 20. And they were just, like, you know. And, you know, I come from a really loving, kind family, you know. And so for them to watch that unfold and do their very best after sort of, you know, a good, like, seven years of sort of uh, chaos because I was just a very problematic teenager as well because as we were just discussing when you are sort of wiry and spiky and have those sorts of sort of um, I, I don't know if it's sort of like I just found like if I look back at sort of my youth and my teenage years and what sort of set me up for that sort of way of life I, I look at people now and, and you, you, you're like man it just looked like you you not that everyone found life easy, but they just seemed to cope better. And so the way I coped was with drink and drugs, you know, and unfortunately it sets you up for bad things. So it's almost like when people in their 20s were finishing up at university and going to their first job, I was getting out of rehab, <laughs> you know. And so, you know, it was, it was then when I had that bad accident, I went and stayed with my mum and dad and they were running that amazing farm. And there was this amazing guru that was living on the farm and uh, he was really phenomenal, used to work for the big tyre company Midas in the States and they were one of the um, the first companies to use like cognitive therapy and um, ecstasy in their counselling sessions to help people break down things quicker. Ecstasy the drug. Ecstasy the oh, drug, cool. yeah. And so we, I was lucky that I was like, you know, going there for a break, this is before I went into rehab, and I had this sort of big bump on my head, and every day his Thai wife would sort of massage me and make me food, and he would do sort of um, cognitive therapy on me, and we would do yoga, and we would, and so it was really amazing, and then I went into rehab, and so maybe just that sort of two-week break of massage and cognitive therapy and rest just open my mind to maybe really absorbing rehab because you know after that I just like that's when I was like okay really if I drink and take drugs the it's just mathematics really like my personality if I drink and take drugs I'm a C-U-N-T and if I don't drink and take drugs then I can be this other person and so it was sort of like I had to go through a lot of stuff with it because I had to go through loss and I lost lots of friends and I was like really lonely. Like it's sort of like we, like it's easy to laugh about now, but really I was 20 years old and I had no friends left because I had to say goodbye to all of these people that were my, you know, party friends. And I was in rehab and so I was sort of going to AA meetings and there was this 24 hour supermarket in Green Lane and I was flatting in Green Lane with these like 
strangely two all blacks at the time but but it was amazing do you know what I mean because it was sort of like I live with these two guys who were just like trained every day ate chicken went to sleep and so it was really awesome that I sort of was in this life where I had had no structure to just going into this world where I had heaps of structure so I'd sort of sleep all day go to an AA meeting and then I'd go to the because I was so used to working nights as well so I would be awake at night and I would just be like so painfully lonely and so I'd go to this um, it was Green Lane's first 24-hour supermarket and I'd go to the supermarket and I would just read all the magazines in there and then I would like get these magazines and then go home and like I'd bake the recipes in there and like so I became like this master of like yo-yos and caramel slices and um, you know like it's the funniest thing and the security guard would be in there and he'd always be like oh hi Dee and I'd be like oh hey buddy you know and you just like it was like quite a sad time but now looking back it was sort of quite a bizarre you know but I can't remember the question again we're going off topic um, but that was just kind of how you dealt with getting out of the the alcohol like what what void because you have to replace it with something because op shopping I replaced it, it with op shopping so now I'm just like a hoarder <laughs> which is like fine I'm getting better I'm trying to my lover is trying to teach me good relationships with my clothes and like going to the op shop I don't need to have a boot full of things every time I walk away from there and fill a bag for you know ten dollars doesn't mean it's a bargain you know <laughs> so <laughs> I can't actually go past an op shop without going in uh-huh. I actually can't it's actually so yeah I, I felt it but I mean like I had sort of like you know I've been 14 years sober you know it's like to me now it's not about whether or not um I drink or not it's like it really is just where my head's at. It's sort of like, it comes down to what sort of person do I want to be while I'm on the planet. And if I wanted to drink, then that would probably be because I wanted to be a certain person and I don't want to be that person today, so. Um, no, that's awesome. I feel like the loneliness thing is just the biggest one. It's like you're the average of the five people you hang out with. You want to be around that community, that tribe, and it's just finding one that's not. Like I had these girls up at this movement camp two weeks ago and they were like this is so strange because I asked what their you know what the other friends do are they into exercise and hiking and stuff and they're just like the only reason we catch up with friends is to drink like yeah. we're sitting here we're not drinking it's like what, what are we doing here again is it's someone so, gonna like I remember yeah. I had this are we gonna free, do shooters yeah, what's I, going on <laughs> we're racking it up on her, on her back oh, <laughs> I remember so this story just came to mind I had a friend who's an amazing chef and he was cooking this kind of like all time double bacon wrap Mexican feast whatever it was um, and uh, and he invited us all around and one of the guys I'm like where's uh, I'm going to say oh let's go with Brent and um, <laughs> where's Brent and and uh, he said oh he's not coming around because we're not drinking tonight oh, yeah it's so and funny like, eh? he's turning down your food like you're yeah, the yeah. this is like restaurant quality this three courses business. and he's turning it down because no one's bringing beers but I mean it is funny though because you do I suppose as humans like it takes a lot of dis- like I think that people take um, being a human for granted you know like they actually don't realise that it takes a lot of discipline to get to know yourself and to live harmoniously on the planet you know like it actually takes a lot of time to get to know yourself and so people sort of what they're scoffs you know, like humans are scoffs. They want more of what feels good. They want to fill themselves with sort of more, more food, more drink, more sex, more more everything that makes them feel good instead of 
sort of nurturing and um, understanding and, and looking at the rock and lifting the rock up and turning the rock around and looking behind the rock and unfortunately they just like it's a really bizarre thing and so I can only imagine that when you're cooking you're having a good time with your friends and you're like oh I want this to be more I want this to last I want this sort of to I want it to expand I want it to like even I miss that feeling you know it's sort of like when you're when I'm in the middle of service and it's fun and um, you know summertime you see the condensation on glass you see people laugh and you're like oh I just want to get wasted you know you just sort of like for some reason it's in our like our makeup to maybe sort of want to flood the system a little bit you know you just want to I don't know what it is I don't know I don't really know my brother and a few friends have been in the past and I haven't done it yet but they say it's just that chasing that sensation yeah You're chasing sensation from this part of your body's craving and then so if you can get equanimous with the sensations and neither it's good nor bad it's just different yeah then you're less attached to because you're not drinking the coffee like I'm drinking the coffee because of the smells and all those other sensations not just the hit yeah yeah um, yeah, completely no that's it I think that's it I think that we're so and also in this day and age I think we're really that sort of I suppose instant gratification is a little bit of a not a cop out but I mean it is sort of a a phrase that's thrown around a lot but it is sort of like chasing the cum a bit Mm. you know to put it frankly you know what I mean like the the art of sort of um you know, foreplay and and desire and um, imagination and experimentation and care and touch and, um, you know, all of that sort of grace is sort of gone and it's just like chasing the cum. I just want to get to the cum. Just give me the cum. You know, cum, 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 (laughs) cum. And it's just a little bit like, and so that's how I almost feel. It's almost like, you know, that's, even when we, you can come in, hun, yeah. Even when people go out to eat, you know, it's the same thing. It's that same thing. We laugh about it, but people come for dinner and they they want to come to a busy restaurant because it gives them validation that they've made a good choice but they don't want it to be busy for them they want to sit down and they want to eat right now they don't want to converse and and watch the art and watch the show and enjoy the hustle bustle and really intelligently think about how oh my meal is actually being cooked from raw to cooked and that might take half an hour or so and then there are another 80 humans in the same room as me so maybe it may take more than half an hour like there's no sort of like they want it when they want it you know and so this this sort of stage at where society is is like it's all about like now 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 you know on my time when I want it and and so there's no sort of I don't know hopefully we're going to go through the stage where there's more care I think that you know we're getting off topic again no that's totally where it's at I feel that's when I'm at my lowest, I'm just thinking about myself. When I'm at my best, it's those high, ch- the yoga's called the chakras, or you're more in the place of empathy rather than yeah. down in man's lows, like give me shelter, give me sex, give me yeah. power, and then you move beyond that. Um, and I was like, that makes so much sense to me. You're at the lower chakras, or you're at that lower energy where it's all you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think a lot of the time, like, it could be a number of things. It could be because people are lazy. It's could, it could be because people are unaware. It could be that people are tired. It could be that people don't have the knowledge yet. It could be, you know, it's a lot of reasons. It's not, you know, the world is um, just different perspectives. There's no right or wrong. Well, you know, don't go and kill anyone. That's wrong. Um, and I love it on your website. You've got all, this, you've got all the worst reviews. And... Um, 
Yeah, there's a lot of debate. F- there's a lot of debate over that. Like with uh, uh, yeah, like owning your flaws or owning your just owning everything. Like turning it into art. I love this this talk by Neil Gaiman. He's like, you know. Uh, a crocodile eats your dog, like, turn it into art, like, a, you know, just anything happens to you. That poor um, dog. <laughs> but make something awesome out of it, like, yeah. make a film or turn it into a... I mean, I got into this debate with this guy the other day on social media, and he was like, I just think it's really mean that you've put those people's reviews on your website. And I'm like, you think that's mean? They've just been slagging me off in front of millions of people all over the world on TripAdvisor. Like, I'm just taking the piss out of the fact that I don't care about it, you know? It's like... For us, when we, what happened was we, the website people were like, okay, so what's your new website? I said, listen, we need a website. I've been doing it for the last little while and it was literally just me taking a photo of the menu on my camera and uploading it to a blog. And I was like, we're getting so many people that need more information. And I said, but really, um, I want to look at it in a really new way. And he was like, okay, well, what do you mean? And I said, well... 99%, like probably 98% of my clientele are amazing. They just get it. They come from the Langham. They come from um, downtown off the boats. They are my regulars. They live in the city. The aunties, you know, nephew who heard about us and Viva. And so we get the people that understand what we do. And then 1% are the people who can be a bit spiky and difficult, but we can read them and it's usually people who have had a bad day or you know that there's been some sort of loss or, you know, I'll have people ring up and they're like, listen, I'm, I'm just letting you know that, you know, we're, we're staying at the hospital, I've got a sick son, there's going to be four of us, we're coming for dinner and in the back of my head I'm like, we'll just keep them a little table on the side and you give the staff a little heads up and you're like, hey, these guys are under a little bit more pressure than normal, just look after them, you know what I mean? And so that 1% or you might get someone like, you know, we always like refer to my mum and dad, you know, when they go out, they're a little bit nervous or a little bit like they can come across a little bit like, you know, they don't really know, like, do we order here? Do we wait here? What do we do? What's the rule? You know, and so it's just a generational thing. So we train our staff to be like, okay, 98% of the people are awesome. This is what you do. This is how we roll. Food training, menu training, security, uh, car parking, lighting, bathrooms, drunk people, food, you know, we've got a million things that we train them on. Then 1% are the people who need a little bit more care. This is how we deal with those. Anyone got any problems? No, no, no. Then there's the 1%, the 1% who are the C-U-N-T-S's, okay? They are the people who you cannot change. You know what I mean? It's not my job to change them. I don't have the time, the facilities. I don't have the money to change them. I don't have the desire to change them. And so what I was saying to the website people is it's like, I want to discourage those people before they even get here because they infect my restaurant. They don't add to it. I can deal with the 98% awesome and the 1% having a hard time, I can deal with that, but I can't deal with the 1% C-U-N-T-S's. And so they were like, oh, you should just put all the bad reviews on. And I was like, that is an excellent idea. And they were like, we were joking. And I was like, I am not. (laughs) I want you to go onto TripAdvisor and pull off the worst reviews, and I want you to put them on our front website page. And they were like, that's like, that's like, you know, suicide. That's like social media suicide. And I was like, no. That is called elimination of the C-U-N-T-S's. That's what that is called, and it's called, before I even have to deal with those people, they've already, if you're not curious enough to get onto my website and go, 
Why would they have put that up there? Why would they have put that up there? You know, like when you see those, you're either, you either get it. Like I had this guy from LA, okay? He came in and he was like, I could see him talking to someone at the front counter and then I was in the deli and they pointed over at me and then he came over and he says, I'm from LA and I just want to high five you. <laughs> he was like, and he goes, he had like heard about it and then someone he was talking to on Air New Zealand had told him to come here and then when he looked at our opening hours, he was like, that is the most hilarious thing in the world, I have to go there. And so he just got it. He knew that it was like, you know, if you're curious and you dig a little and you go further past them, you're going to see what we do, the photos, the menu. If you're going to look up Coco's and in, in um, what we're about, it's going to be in the media that, you know, we probably do an okay job and that the people who actually use places like TripAdvisor sort of as a public review system about their personal opinion is just sort of, it's not, it's not valuable anymore, you know, it's sort of like, if you didn't have a good time or you don't sort of get what we do or our personalities clash, it doesn't need to be verbalised, you know what I mean? It's just like, hey, sometimes I don't like every member of my family. It doesn't mean that I need to tell them every time I see them, you know what I mean? It's just like, you're like this and I'm like that and that's all good. I respect your purpose on the planet and just do your own thing. But I don't need to say, oh my God, you are so wrong. I want you to be like this and they did this and they did that and oh my God, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's just toxic. It doesn't add anything of value to the world, you know? And it's just sort of like where we think that our opinion is so, I don't know. It just doesn't, it's not, it's not coming from a place of goodness. The one thing that I really like is like, you know, the localist. The localist is an amazing um, platform. You can only receive love on the localist, which I find beautiful. It's like, if someone's really that bad, they're not going to survive. If someone's really that nasty, they're not going to have a whole lot of people around them. But Coco's has got a queue out of it every single night. And that's not on accident. That's because we're good. We're good at what we do. We love what we do. We love giving to our community. We love food and service. We, we, we love being hospitable. We love changing people's days. But we're not going to be bullied. And we're also not going to... We, we stand up for what we believe in. And, and when you're a true artist, you're always going to get tire kickers. You're always going to get haters. It's just... That means that we're good at what we do. Yeah, that's the, I think that's the best point is if you're not... If you're not fucking someone off, you're not doing anything. This like, is exactly um, it. The world doesn't change. You, over. you know yeah. what? Like my whole belief system is to have a handful of sand in your knickers and then you get a pearl. You know? And that's what it is. Being made to feel uncomfortable means that you're changing the world. Hi Harry. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so how can people help with it? Dying here obviously. Come check it out. <laughs> is there anything else you want people to kind of consider? I mean I suppose it's just like you know, um, I always like that sort of thing um, that the Buddhists believe, I don't know what they call it, but to make yourself or to, to be inconvenienced is to offer someone else convenience. And I like that. That's sort of like, to me, it's actually a pain to, it's a pain for me. Like I'd love to be having an extra hour's sleep or I'd love to be, you know, just looking after me, that's a luxury. Do you know what I mean? But for me, if, you, if you've got time to help someone or you've got a spare five bucks that you could give to someone and buy a sandwich or you've got leftover food in your fridge, yeah, it's a pain in the ass to actually bag it up and drop it at the city mission, but you can do it. 
you know and so for me it's always like if you've got time or you've got energy or you've got spare money or you've got spare clothes and you've got everything that you need then think about that you know whether that is anything like you know people always think that um, Coco's are doing amazing things we're not doing amazing things we're doing our truth that's all we're doing you know we're doing what is um, instinctively right for us and we're doing what we know to be true to ourselves and that is if there are clothes that are extra in our community, then we get them to the city mission or to people who are homeless. If there are people that need things, we try and facilitate um, helping people get what they need. And I suppose it's just about if you've got everything you need and you've got enough money and you've got your health, then really, like, do more. You know, like, find your purpose on the planet. And your purpose on the planet might be saving the animals. It might be... Uh, helping women's refuge, it might be um, volunteering at City Mission, it might be volunteering at your op shop, even if it's like just an hour a week sorting clothes. It's like we live in a world where a lot of us have got, I don't know, I just find that when you're just looking after yourself, I'm like, really? What a fucking luxury. You know, like... It sucks too, I think. Like I just think that my thing as well is that I know that Renee and I... We work really hard, you know, like a lot of people do. But the only reason why I am in a, an amazing and, I suppose, blessed position where I'm educated and I am uh, fed and clothed and I am well in my mind is because my parents work their fucking asses off to provide us with absolutely everything, but they didn't get there on their own. Their parents did that, and the people in their community did that, and people who used to plant trees just because you planted trees did that, and people who offered to drive buses because there was no bus driver, they got you there. You know, like, the world was built, and we're in this luxurious position because people volunteered and people were good and people cared about their neighbours but people now just think that they're in this position because they work fucking hard like that to me is the funniest thing on the planet you know <laughs> what I mean like to me that is like so naive like yeah. I'm in this position not only because I work hard not only because my parents worked hard or their parents worked hard but because the world was good that's why we're in this position. The world is not good at the moment. Like, and so all, I don't know, if I had a message, like, be better. Be the best you can possibly be. Like, don't just be the, a good human. Be the fucking best human you can be, you know? And excel, because you're going to be a long time fucking dead. You're gone, you know? It's like, be the most worthy and contributing and amazing human being that you can be and we may have a chance at like bettering the world oh, that's awesome because that kind of ties back to this question of um you know what does everyone else think that you think is insane or you know it's hard to realize we've been around for four million years or oh whatever my God. and that, you know, i this, can't even i can't even yeah, imagine that like, that just blows my head fraction of time and like you said to think even when I was driving out to Piha the other day, first time, someone put this road in. I know. Oh, no, I totally. Like, How long did it take for, you know? You're right, Mike. Get in there. I love this oh, no, Joe Rogan exactly. piece. He's like, you know, if I dropped into the forest, how long would it take you to send me an email? No if you had no, joke, like, okay. sticks and stones, you know? But that's what I mean. Like, we go up north again, and I look at all of the gum trees from Fatafifi, where my mum grew up, out, out to Karikari Peninsula. Now, my grandfather planted all of those trees off his own back. Like, just planted them. Do you know what I mean? Because I don't know why. Do you know what I mean? But, but it was, things were done 
because people just did them for the better of the world because he was an environmentalist because he was you know in touch with the land where are you going dad I'm going to see you later. where are you going though to oh, okay all right i'll come for a visit later this is yoga doug that's my dad yeah it's my dad was a was a nice to meet you was a he's gonna shake, your, shake hand your hand now. he's yeah, gonna shake that. your hand that's how it's done yeah, Doug. Doug. Nice to meet you. Oh, have I, I've seen you really, yeah. yeah. Yoga Doug does our midnight yoga session. Oh, okay. Mm. Well, I'm going to mention was it. Okay, dude. All right. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we got that in there. We've been mentioned a few times, so we've got to, we've got to honor the dad. <laughs> um, oh, no, that's. Uh, I mean, even then, like my dad, like I think about. Uh, Man, like Renee and I owe our parents so much, you know, like my, we moved from, from Kaitaia, there was no work in Kaitaia. We had both sets of grandparents, we grew up in, next to a river, my dad's parents grew up on a farm, my mum's um, grandparents, like parents grew up at the beach. So we had this like amazing idealistic sort of life. I was in like a bilingual class, we were in a little rural school, like it was really amazing but there was no work and so my parents were like, We've got to move because otherwise these girls are going to end up barefoot and pregnant and selling tinnies by the time they're like 14. And so we moved from Kaitaia and it was amazing, you know, like we were heartbroken, but we moved to Auckland. But before we moved, my mum and Renee and I stayed in Kaitaia and my dad lived and worked for a year and he would come back to Kaitaia every weekend. So like totally sacrifice, like getting to know Auckland, working, um, then he would drive home on a Friday night, we would be sort of estranged because we would have been with mum all week and then by the time we'd warmed up to dad again it was time to go back to Auckland. So I can't even imagine what that would have been like for him. Then we moved, we finally moved from Kaitaia to um, Auckland and we moved to Howick of all places. My dad would get up at five in the morning, we, only, we didn't have a car, so he would cycle from Howick to Papakura. He would work 12 hours being a diesel mechanic, and then he would drive buses for an hour after that. Then he would cycle from Papakura back to Howick. He would literally do his washing, eat dinner. Like, it was, it was insane. My mum packed shelves at New World from six in the morning until six at night. And like, there wasn't a lot of time. Like, and that's just one thing. Like, my grandparents were like exactly the same, but doing, you know, so, no one is here on their own, you know what I mean? We're all here because of sacrifice and privilege. And, and so even like people who have had it like hard, like Renee and I have had it fucking easy, you know what I mean? Like we have had it easy. We've been loved and supported. And even if there hasn't been a lot of money, we've never been without, you know? And so I can't even imagine how it is for people who have, you know, addiction in their families or violence or poverty or and how some people come out. And so that's why it is so important, I think, um, you know, to be really grateful where you come from and be really grateful for, you know, I think about the neighbours that I grew up with that used to babysit for us and people who used to drop off. Like, I mean, like, you, you forget about every single thing that has contributed to your well-being and your life and people who sort of help your families on the way and smile and give lifts and all that sort of stuff. And I think that if we could go a little bit more to that, like, how amazing would that be? Be amazing. Oh, that might be a wonderful place to end it mm. um, with that gratitude. Do, and just the last night, do you have a gratitude practice or do you just try and live it? No, I think I, I just try and live it. Yeah. I think that, um, 
you know, I'm, I'm reminded daily in the restaurant because you see a lot of poverty out there. You see a lot of homelessness and you see a lot of, um, you know, violence and you see a lot, you know, K Road is a, is a colourful place. But sometimes when you, when you look out, you're not that far away from, you know, you're only, you're only glass away from stuff, some real problems out there. But we try and, you know, be inclusive and try and do our best to sort of hold hands with the problems, not sort of like push them out and push them away. Yeah, that's a great point. And that's kind of why well, I love cycling too. So connected, you're not putting these walls up between yeah. you and you guys are like that. It's, you know, sit outside next to the homeless and... Yeah, and I think it's just really it's good because real. it's almost like... I think as well that a lot of people need to realise that... Um, I think that, not New Zealanders, but I think a lot of humans don't, like, you know, we touched on it just before. When you look at the rock, you can't just look at the rock. You have to lift it up and look under the rock and look behind the rock and look close to the rock and dig a little bit. And you have to, like, that's how people need to be treating every situation. You know, we need to slow down and look at stuff because I think that sometimes when people, like, see sort of homeless people or poor people or people and they just look at it and they go oh that's just that and it's like no 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 let's just look around there and look under it and look beneath it and look to the side of it and look under the here and it's like actually you don't know about that stuff it could be mental health it could be that someone's lost a parent and and had a breakdown and couldn't you know get themselves back into a job and through that job they lost their house or you know you just don't know you know and so that's why also the way we treat people like that's why our motto here is be kind. Like, we try and train the staff that sometimes when you get a CUNT, they're just a CUNT. But then sometimes when you get someone in, you don't know if they've lost their nana. You don't know if they've had a car accident. You don't know if they've had to put down their dog. You don't know. You know, so that's why if you get a CUNT and you think he is a CUNT, then that's one thing. But if you get a CUNT and you're not quite sure if he's a CUNT, then you just need to say, hey, are you a CUNT or has something happened that I can maybe, like, just be aware of you know it's just about communication and yeah, yeah see people you are doing the <laughs> <laughs> oh that's no, beautiful d um and thank you for what you do here it's it's awesome this is like one of the most uplifting places communities <laughs> coolest crews around and the food's amazing and so um you know, lots of gratitude to you and Renee and the And team lots of here. gratitude to you for opening our world to the yogi and the kombucha oh. and the, you know. Man, it's a it's a pleasure. So, um, yeah, for those out there. We're signing out. Coke. Yeah, we're signing out. We've got a service to do. Um, oh, and that's We've got good. things to drill. And, and the drill's starting. <laughs> that's the renovation. Thank you, everybody, whoever's um, listening. Yeah, and no, I appreciate it. Cool. Peace. Peace, love. Be Peace, kind. Love. Be kind. Well done, Yoga Dad. What's it? What's Italian for good? Because that was. What's it? No. What's Italian for magnificent? Magnifico. Oh, that was it. Um, wonderful stories and insights from Damaris. Um, so thank you again to Damaris, Queen D, and the team at Coco's for doing such wonderful work. Um, as you said, be the be the fucking best human you can be. <laughs> Why not try at least? And uh, 
yeah, can't wait to check out her pod, her uh, app that's coming out, The Realness, as well, when that, that gets cranking. Otherwise, uh, check in the Coco's, you'll see me there at least one night a week, usually. Um, I try and make it at least two. Um, and uh, I think that's all for now. Thanks for your support. Find food, find friends, spend more time with them, and uh, we'll tune in again soon. Italian, Italian for goodbye. I should think of these things. Italian, ciao, ciao, Bella, ciao, beautiful. Think less, experience more. Ciao.